Good morning. You are listening to KPOO San Francisco 89.5 and on the World Wide Web at KPOO.com. This is Prison Focus Radio. Slavery is back. In fact, it was never abolished. The 13th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution abolished slavery, except in prison. At the current rate of incarceration, by the year 2010, the majority of all African-American men between 18 and 40 will be in prison. The state as their captor. It's going to take people who are willing to fight, not people who want to negotiate with the enemy. Deal with 
All right, beautiful people, thank you for joining me. You are tuned in to Prison Focus Radio, and I am your host, Nube Brown, here on KPOO San Francisco 89.5. We are going to get right to it with Charles Talib Brooks, and then following that, I will be finishing uh, the letter article by Lewis Powell Jr., who is the focus of the Liberate Our Caged Elders campaign. All right. Good morning, everyone. As I said, I was going to bring to you Charles Talib Brooks, and he is here with me this morning. I'm so excited to have you here this morning with us, Talib. How are you? Thank you. Thank you for having me. Fantastic. So um, why don't you tell us where you are and give us a little background on just your situation, who you are, but tell us where you are physically right now. Uh, well, right now, typically, I'm at Geo Program right here on Tucker Taylor. Um, I'm looking out the side window at the new buildings that they're building across the street. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, I, I came out here to the side window because I live in a six-man dorm. And, um, you know, out of courtesy, even though I don't get the same courtesy sometimes, uh, I, I left the dorm so that I, I won't wake nobody up during this conversation. But out this window, I got a little serenity. Uh, the sun is coming out. And uh, uh, right across from where I'm sitting at this point, uh, we, did, we did a, a two-minute uh, commercial yesterday uh, uh, promoting this book. Uh, yeah, and so it's, it's all coming together now. So, uh, yeah. That's why I'm at. Okay, beautiful. Okay, so tell us about this book, and you did a two-minute video or a commercial. Yeah, tell us about that. Yeah, so um, yesterday, uh, it's just a little impromptu thing. I've seen two, two young ladies. Um, they were selling something out of their food, and I introduced them to the book, um, and I asked them what did they think of the concept, and they, they loved it. And I've seen two young men up the street they had a book, they were selling phones, and um, I asked them what they think of the book, and they was like, cool, man, cool. So I said, you know what, now let's do a little, let's do a little impromptu video, see, you know, see what we come up with. Um, so I got two young men, and I got the two young ladies, and we, we, we met at the corner of Turk and Taylor. And um, uh, off, off, the top of our, off the top of my head, I came up with a little script, something like, um, we're not out here starting trouble. Um, we're not um, <clears throat> We're not out here selling drugs or crack. We're selling books straight out the backpack. And that's the, the theme of, our, of our, our publishing company. We, I'm considered homeless, and I identify with the people on the street. So we're, we're, we're uh, starting a publishing company right out the backpack. You know, we, we're, we're, not, we're not commercial, we're not none of that uh, standard stuff that people go through. I'm selling books right out of my backpack. And so I want to identify with that, and that's why I grabbed these, these four young people, uh, because they represent the streets. They represent selling things off of a uh, table and boots, and, and, and they're working and they're hustling hard. So I said, let's come together and do a little two-minute commercial. Before you know it, we had a little crowd around us cheering us on and all kinds of stuff. So it was fun. Um, but it represents what I'm truly about in that street. So uh, the book is Mr. President Educational Coloring Book. 
Um, and it's, it's, it received awards and stuff, Nancy Pelosi. But the, it's not about, it, yeah, so yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty much the history on that. Okay, so here you are in this six-room dorm because you're in a, a re-entry halfway house that's run right. by Geo. But you consider yourself homeless. Can you explain that? Yeah, um, that's actually that's actually the, the the state term for people that's in in transitional home mm-hmm. housing. It's 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 it's, uh, it's we're deemed homeless because we're displaced. We're not um, we're not stabilized. Uh, the six man dorm is a is a uh, is, is you know a very very small uh, uh, cramped spaces. So we really don't have no privacy to do anything or, or any uh, any any have any movement. So um, it, it just it just really reminds us of being um, displaced. Uh, so I'm still I'm living out of boxes. I've been home for the last hundred days or more after a, a, serving a serving a, to, a total of 29 years in prison. But I'm not letting this stop me. You know, uh, you know I'm not going to use this as a stumbling block. I'm using it as a stepping stone, and uh, I'm moving forward. I'm not going to uh, let no nothing get in the way of my my vision and my dreams. Uh, I'm pursuing moving moving forward. So backpack publishing is representation of that, and I'm super excited the fact that we just put up a website a couple of days ago. Things are moving along. Uh, I, I sent a copy to uh, a link to my attorney. He was so excited. He said, "I'm going to donate today." So I'm <laughs> like, "Man, I'm hoping other people, you know, jump on there and want to donate, you know, and, and help me get this uh, this this movement started." Because that's what it's actually turning into. It's turning into like a little movement. Um, and uh, yeah, I've been doing uh, interviews on the block too, on Sixth Street. Uh, I even interviewed this black guy named Cowboy. He was he was so excited about the, the, the coloring book. So yeah, I, you know, I'm just it's street. It's that's what it is. Um, I'm representing the, you know the, the, the people that's out here that's homeless, that's displaced, and. Um, and letting it be known that, hey, you know, we can still make something out of nothing just because we're homeless don't mean that we can't make things happen. Mm. So tell us more about the book. So, okay, um, Mr. President, uh, uh, it's about uh, Barack Obama. It's an educational coloring book. It chronicles the life of Barack Obama from the childhood to the first African-American president of the United States. Um, and when you open the book up, it's going to have um, to, um, Dream Big with, with a photo of Barack Obama and Dr. King uh, uh, right next to each other. To the left of that, it's going to be a special uh, certificate of special congressional recognition from Nancy Pelosi. Uh, this is this is an award given to us 10 years ago. Uh, so I just wanted to bring credibility to the book uh, with, by putting that in there. Um, but it, I, I put this book together about 11 years ago, and uh, uh, I think it's important to annually promote it so that children that, um, uh, that were, were not born when he was president uh, will, um, you know, find out, uh, you know, what our first African-American president, you know, that, that we had this in our history. This is essential because in the fifth grade, I had an experience 
and um and 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 I, I was you know I was in history class and all I remember is being taught that we're nothing but slaves. And when I when I asked my my fifth grade teacher, I said, "What did we do as a people?" You know, he said, "I'm sorry, but you guys were nothing but slaves." And that crushed me. I couldn't articulate the pain that 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 I experienced at that time, but I pretty much attribute that to a, a to that turning point to a uh, where I lost interest in school. I credit that that moment to where I, I pretty much lost interest in school. Uh, and in and I had such a negative thing about myself. Um, so I want to change that experience for the youth today. I want to make sure that before they reach the fifth grade, you know, uh, that they know, hey, you know, we are contributors to this society. We are, we're more than slaves. Um, we, you know, and so, yeah, that's, that's just, that's where all of this comes from. It, it, the educational coloring books come from uh, uh, wanting uh, children of today to have a better experience than what I had. That's the whole school to prison pipeline. Yeah, of it course. Begins at that, it, 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 it begins right there in yeah. the elementary. Yes. You know what I'm saying? You're planting the seeds of, 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 of self-destruction. You're planting the seeds of, of, of self-hate. You're planting the seeds of, 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 of discouragement. You know, that negativity seed that was planted in me uh, turned me into, uh, you know, uh, something that um, I actually flunked that year. I gave up on school. My hands was in the air. I couldn't articulate the pain because I'm only 10 years old. Right. But all I know is I felt worthless. You know what I'm saying? My dad wasn't in my life. Now this. And now we're nothing but slaves. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, whatever. I, I didn't even care no more. Right. You know, I started smoking weed and drinking at 11 years old. Yeah. You know, so I mean, um, yeah, man, it was that, that school to prison pipeline, you know. And so I'm, I'm here to break that cycle. Uh, uh, you know, and promote uh, ethnicity studies in, 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 in elementary schools and push this. Uh, you know, I want, I want, I want the mayor to support this. I want, you know, uh, uh, the California school system to support this. I want, you know, these books should be in every school annually. It should be in every California school. Uh, and I'm, I, I want to, I'm setting it up where 20% can go back to California schools, struggling teachers and um, single parents. So it's not something that that's for profit and just you know me about making money and all that stuff. This is this is really uh, a stimulus, uh, ongoing stimulus that I want to contribute to uh, starting off with the state of California to our society, and uh, you know, and go from there. But this is not a one or two or three times stimulus type of thing. This will be an annual stimulus mm. because every, every year this. This book should be in, uh, uh, in elementary uh, schools and be and being uh, shared, you know, every year annually. Uh, and, and we're super excited about the, the one that's coming out after this called uh, Great Women of Color. This is a uh, most multicultural coloring education of women of every race, you know. And so, um, yeah. So yeah, that's 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 what we're about. We're about you know pushing that ethnic studies, um, you know, early on and and and, 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 and giving children dignity and pride, you know, like everybody else, like they should have, you know. Absolutely. So then I wanted to ask you, 
um, about <clears throat> when your re-education started. So you, sorry, yes, when your re-education started from the standpoint that you said that you, you started this book or you created this book 10 years ago, so you were still, you were inside, you were still uh, imprisoned. Um, when, yeah, when what, started, what, yes. Yeah, so when did that, what, what is it that happened to you when you were inside that resulted in you creating this book? Um, well, it, I kind of I kind of got to go back a little further than that. Okay. Um, so in the nineties, um, when I when I was in, uh, incarcerated, uh, 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 they asked me what I wanted to do. I said I want to get my GED. Um, so and in the process of getting my GED, um, I, had, I had a lady friend of mine, right, and she was telling me a sad story about her daughter, why her daughter was a white dolls or black dolls. It was a big study going on in the 90s, you know, and I felt real sad for her daughter. And, um, you know, um, and so I, at, the, at that time, I was reading this this book uh, about uh, Booker T. Washington or somebody, you know. It was during a Black History Month situation. So, you know, I got this idea to do a story about her daughter. And I called it Nicole, Nicole and the Tiger. And, 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 and you know, I just wanted to give her some pride, of, you know, some African pride. But I put a little, uh, I had somebody draw her picture, and she was, I had a little African dress on, and her tiger was at her feet. And I did a little short story with it, and she loved it. And her mom screamed to the high heaven saying how much she loved that book. And next time she brought, she brought it down to the kids' store, she brought a black doll. And so I don't know how much that story helped her like herself, but... From that point, I came, I came up with a book called uh, 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 Children's Educational Coloring Book Featuring Black History. Um, and um, I did short stories with, with images of real people for the kids to color. And, and again, the people loved the idea and the concept. And um, I sent Bayview a uh, newspaper, uh, 100 copies, and they sold them in the community, fell in love with the books. And so, um, yeah, as a fundraiser. So, um, so basically, that's where the, the history coloring book started back in 1994 with me uh, doing that. And that's the history behind those coloring books. So I've always had the concept. Uh, so when Barack Obama um, became first African American president of the United States, it, it was befitting to uh, to put a to put a book together that that chronicles this story and, and preserves it. And, 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 and um, you know, insane desire, wanting to share something positive with our youth so that they can look forward to, you know, yeah, something positive about our history, not just where we're slaves. So, so yeah, 10 years ago, 11 years ago, uh, a guy named, <laughs> the same guy who, put together, who did all the artwork for my first book, uh, Benjamin Hakeem Atkins. Uh, may he rest in peace. He, re- he returned to God uh, approximately about five, six months ago. Mm. Uh, and by the way, a portion of his proceeds of his books was going to his family, too. Um, he did all the artwork to this book, Mr. President, and he did all the artwork to my first book. So we have this long history. So when he and I got together in Solano, um, um, 
you know, I told him about the concept of doing a Mr. President educational coloring book. He was like all in. He's like, man, I'm too feet in. And then when we finished the project, he was like, this book should be at every school and, you know, and this is and that. And so I'm out here making that dream come true. Um, I'm pushing that, um, you know, for multiple for, uh, reasons, for the kids that's out there and for Hakeem making his dream come true. Because I want to see this book in every school, just like he dreamed. And, um, yeah, and so, yeah. So it's, 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 I'm getting a little uh, emotional about it because that, that's my boy and I just lost him, you know. Uh, but, uh, yeah. So, yeah, I'm just, I want to make this dream come true on, on multiple levels, you know. Uh, I hope I answered your question somewhere in there. <laughs> no, that, <clears throat> that's, it's, it's beautiful. I, I think the emotional side of it is incredibly important, and anyone that listens to my show on a regular basis knows, um, to me, that's, that's, that's the heart of it all. I want to send my condolences to uh, you around your friend, Benjamin Hakeem Atkins, and um, I'd like to ask, was um, was he imprisoned with you, or was this a friend you had on the outside? So, yeah, he did, he did eventually get out. Um, he died uh, uh, a couple years after he was released from cancer, and um, so, uh, yeah, uh, um, so he did get to see, but unfortunately we didn't get to see our dream come true yet. And, you know, uh, uh, so I'm, I'm carrying that torch. Uh, uh, I, I believe, you know, from a spiritual uh, level, he can, you know, check that, check out his dream come true. You know what I mean? If, if we push it like that. And that's what I'm doing. I'm pushing. I'm pushing on every, every level I can. Uh, I'm doing street interviews. Uh, we doing, we doing, uh, Letters that we're gonna reach out to to, to to some of these politicians to support these books. Um, we're we're reaching out to uh, oh, uh, United Players. They you know and they do. You guys been very supportive. Uh, you know become you know our proud sponsors. You know, our first two proud sponsors are Bayview and United Players. They bought a hundred copies, and we're encouraging other people. Um, Individuals and or 501c uh, nonprofits to buy at least 100 copies, uh, become a proud sponsor, uh, 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 and so that we can donate these, uh, they, we can have the books donated to any daycare, hospital, and or uh, public school, private or public school. <laughs> so that's that's the idea and that's the goal. We want to get these books and. Um, we want to we want to flood California schools in California uh, by uh, by this time next year. We want to have every child that wants a free copy of this book to have a child uh, a free copy of this book in the state of California uh, by Black History Month uh, next year. Uh, that's just on a small level, but we want it you know around in every school throughout the United States as it should be. Fantastic that, that I am so behind you. This is so exciting. It's so beautiful. I did really, I did want to give you a chance if you wanted. Um, here, did you, did you want to say something more about your friend, Benjamin Hakeem Atkins? Uh, did you just want to, yeah, did you want to, yeah, did you just want to say more about his, his work, um, who he was, or, or not? Yeah. 
Absolutely. Yeah, um, you know, this guy is incredible. Uh, uh, we both practice Islam, and we met um, in, 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 in prison. Both of us are doing a life sentence. Uh, uh, you, know, you know, we just connected. And for whatever reason, um, the cosmos, you know, we came together and we started working together. And we had this beautiful friendship. Uh, uh, we joked a lot. He's a very, very funny guy. He joked, joked a lot. Um, and, and, and we just had this friendship, this, this, this kinship, you know what I mean? Uh, and, 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 and we, it seemed like we followed each other from prison to prison because when I show up at, uh, at uh, 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 CMF, he showed up. I showed up at Salam, he showed up. So I'm like, man, you keep following me. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're like my shadow. I can't get rid of your ass, you know? <laughs> but yeah, we, we joked around. Um, and, um, yeah, and so I, I, yeah, he um he followed me in freedom. So I didn't want to get into this at this stage, but I will. Um, in 2009, I was originally released, and uh, that's when I started um, uh, my first uh, business, trying to get the book off the ground and make our dreams come true. Uh, shortly thereafter, <clears throat> uh, my daughter came up missing. And uh, I relapsed, and I went back to prison. Um, so, um, uh, Hakeem Atkins, before I went back to prison, he came home. So we got a chance to go to Juma together. We got a chance to hang out and eat, and um, you know, and do some things and talk about our dreams and stuff like that. And, uh, uh, and like I said, unfortunately, I went back to prison, and his cancer. Um, didn't allow him to pursue the dream because he was too sick. And so the book stalled for 10 years. Uh, uh, and so now I'm coming back with a vengeance. I'm drug free. I'm, 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 I'm you know, my folks who passed away. And I'm going to make this dream, I'm, I'm going to make this, happen, this dream happen because he really was excited about getting this <laughs> book in every child's hand not just in California, throughout the United States. And he, and, um, and that's, that's something I'm going to make happen, you know, uh, one way or another, you know, we're going to, we're going to start a new Black Lives Matter movement. We're going to start a, uh, uh, our kids, our community matter movement, you know, uh, and that's, that's what time it is. And, and I got that slogan, uh, uh, from my uncle, uh, Reverend, uh, Charles Graves. Y'all might know him. Uh, yeah, the baby should be very familiar with Reverend Charles Grace because he'd be doing the black T-shirts, the Black Lives Matter T-shirts, and he'd be having the Black Lives Matter boot. Oh, the yeah. Baby, I think, uh, yes. Oh, yeah. We, we have, my closet is full of his T-shirts. <laughs> we love Charles. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes, we love him, too. You know, so I, I, he'll, he'll allow me to use the back of his card where it says, our kids, our community matter. And um and then and so he's he's also pushing the books as well, you know. Um, so we 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 we're, we're we're combining efforts. He'd be down here on Market Street too. So I encourage anybody who can to support him in any way you can. But yeah, um Hakeem, um, this is for you, baby. We been to make it happen. You know, um now we ain't gonna stop. We ain't gonna stop, you know. So yeah. Okay. Um, yes. 
Beautiful. And I, and I cannot wait that when we get to the end of the show, we're going to make sure that people, um, you know, can, can get in touch with you or, you know, we'll go, we'll go through all of that for sure, because, um, we want to help make this dream come true for you as well. You said a couple of things, um, in, in there, uh, that stood out to me, um, and I know you want to keep this really positive and, and I want to make sure that we, that we end with that. But I, I can't get past the idea that your, your daughter went missing. Sorry, hold on. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, 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 that question. Um, uh, that was in, uh, like I said, shortly after I got out. Oh, nine, I originally got out after doing 20 years in prison for a case that uh, Chief Justice called a miscarriage of justice. And eventually, a uh, second judge agreed with him, and that's why I wind up getting out this time. Because those those people in Sacramento that were playing that political game of pulling me back in there for a relapse, keeping me in there multiple years, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? It was yes. all about money for them. I'm just nothing but a, a, a money tree. But um, uh, the, uh, yeah, so anyway, um, when I was inside, let's see, you see, you, you, your question again, one more time, I think I was sidetracked. Well, no, I, well, your, your daughter went missing, and, and I guess the whole thing is, which you, you did kind of answer, because first of all, your daughter went missing. That's enough to, to, to tear anybody down. Your daughter went missing, and you relapse, and they put you back in prison, not yeah. do something to either help you find your daughter and get you in a situation so that you can be strong enough to help whatever went down with your daughter missing. I mean, that's just like one of the most painful things I've ever heard. Do you want to talk about yeah, that? Yeah, it, it, it shows the, the, the cruelty and the evilness of some people in this in this society. And that's what it is. It is cruel and evil. Yeah. Wicked, evil, money-hungry uh, people. And uh, unfortunately, um, we have um, some, good, some good folks of, of that, of, of the, you know, of, of every race, but this situation goes to to, to the heart of the, the evil and the cruelty of, of 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 some people in this state, and 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 throughout the United States of America. You know what I'm saying? You know, uh, you don't have to look far. Look at look at look at what happened with the uh, uh, the Capitol and, and people running and, and storming that. But the, for the fact that you know that. Blacks has been targeted for multiple years, not not just during slave, but after slave, all the way up to to flooding our communities with guns and crack and all these drugs and, and just continuously sending us black men to prison for for multiple years for petty ass stuff. Um, uh, it, it speaks to the evilness of some people in this society. You know what I'm saying? And I'm looking for the good white folks to to combat that evil uh, miss um, that they see that a lot of their folks are doing to us. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so it's one way to combat that is to support uh, First back, uh, Backpack Publishing. Help me get on my feet and let's make a statement together uh, 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 that, you know, we're not going to uh, allow the evil forces in this society to 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 miseducate our children and to train them to self to, to self hate 
We're going to break that school to prison pipeline by supporting this 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 book and and the books to follow because that's what our books do. We're we're, we're about breaking the change, the the, the psychological change. Mm. And so um, so so people like my daughter don't become victims. You know, um, um, she was a victim the whole time I was there. You know what I'm saying? And I don't really want to go all into her stuff, but you know what I mean. Since she was 10 years old, forced into sex slavery. Mm. While I was in prison, mm. you know what I'm saying, and, and so this just broke me up into pieces as a father because I failed to protect my baby. You know what I'm saying, but I couldn't protect her because I was in, inside prison. Right. So when I get out and she come up missing, you know, I felt I felt again. You know what I mean, and, and so and then that they, they they instead of sending me to to, uh, to uh, Walden House as they promised, I went to Walden House for 30 days, and then um um. Parole agent called me down and said, I'm sorry, but somebody in Sacramento said um, that, that you were supposed to go back to prison. You're not supposed to go into treatment. And so somebody in Sacramento called some shots, and they sent my black ass back to prison for multiple years. So this is, again, this is the, 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 the evilness that I'm trying to combat. You know what I'm saying? And so, um, yeah, so I'm, 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 I'm focused on um, positive things, positive books. Despite the pain, despite the homelessness, despite the, the, the drama and the trauma, despite not even seeing and finding my baby still uh, since I've been home, uh, I, I, it, 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 it probably it probably it's probably to my benefit not to to run into her right now because I'm, I'm I don't you know I don't know how I can handle um, seeing certain things and dealing with certain things right now. So I'm really trying to get on my feet, getting on my feet. And I can help myself, I can help my baby, and I can help other um, young ladies like my daughter, uh, if, if and when we find it again. Um, so yeah, it's, it's multiple layers to this story uh, and, and why it's so important to really uh, help me get on my feet, you know what I'm saying, so that I can help others. It's not about just me. It's about helping others in our society and, and, and heal from a lot of the, the evilness that's been heaped upon us year after year, including, yeah, yeah, that part. Well, I guess it would be safe to say that this is a healing process for you, and we're all better off when we are whole and healed. That's what makes for a stronger community. So, wow, uh, Talib, that's, um, yeah, that's deep, really. Would you like to say your daughter's name? Shantae. Shantae. All right. We send lots of um, love out to her as well. And, and of course... um, (coughs) Yes, we um, are in this with you. Keep her in your prayers. Yes. Um, Keep her in your prayers. And that's what I'm doing. I'm I'm just keeping her in my prayers. My my, my mama was like, baby, just please focus on... My mama begged me so much. She's like, baby, just please focus on you right now. Please focus on getting you right. Get your get yourself together because they want to see you me fail again. Mm-hmm. That's what she speaks saying. She said, you know, and, and, and God don't like ugly, but you know, uh, they're gonna keep trying to throw stumbling blocks your way. And so they they don't even use your own family as a stumbling block. So just focus on getting. So I'm listening to my mama's advice. You know, I'm, I'm focusing on getting me right, all the way right, and that includes uh, uh, being self sufficient to the best of my ability. Uh, uh, with this business. Um, so we, we got a website, www.first, as a number one, and then ST, 
and then back back uh b a c k back publishing <laughs> um we my um you can look us up and you can donate 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 please ten dollars or more five dollars or more whatever you can donate because the more that donate other people see people donate and they want to get in and, and help out in the worthy cause it's a good cause uh, we're not just about us. We're about, you know, helping the people. Uh, we are homeless. I am homeless. And I'm representing the homeless population. And First Backpack Publishing uh, uh, represents, uh, uh, you know, the fact that, you know, regardless of our circumstances, um, we can make things happen, you know. Um, uh, so the phone number is 415-230-9925 to reach me um, personally and um we encourage any um, church, school, masjid, uh, synagogue, uh, hospital, daycare, um, you know, it, to become sponsored. You know, um, um, you know, buy 100 copies or more. If that's, that's what makes you become a sponsor. Uh, and then donate those copies to um, different churches or your own church or, or however you want to donate. You can donate it to the public schools. Um, we're trying to set up something with Tony Thurman, I think is it, Dr. Tony Thurman, superintendent of uh, California schools. Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm, yes. So I'm trying to reach out to him, and I, I want to arrange it where we give 20% back to California schools okay. as, as an annual stimulus, but, but not, not just one year, but for 10, 20 years to come. Mm-hmm. Um, because this is, this is a part of Hakeem's dream. He want to give back. And he wants kids to have free copies of this book. So in order to make that happen, we got to get some of these politicians involved. We got to get them to support this concept. They can buy a thousand. They can buy a million copies and donate it to the California schools. We got a lot of millionaires in California. They can buy a million copies and donate to California schools. Not just in California, but other states. You know what I'm saying? Because this is an annual thing. You know, black history is shared annual because our kids, our community matter. And that's what uh, the back of my book says. Black history is shared annually because our kids, our community matter. So support First Black, First Backpack Publishing and you'll be supporting our kids and our community. Fantastic. Okay, great. Now, is it firstbackpackpublishing.com.org? Trying to get it. We're trying to. We we want to become a nonprofit, but we have, we're not there yet. So it's it's dot com. Perfect. Okay, that's wonderful. Uh, Charles Talib Brooks, Talib, thank you so much for your just your beautiful, beautiful work, and thank you so much for for sharing so much of yourself. Yes, absolutely. Thank you, and uh, peace and blessings to you, Malik, and the Bayview, and all the Bayview family. And all the, uh, you know, all the people that support the baby. I think everybody should support the baby. All right. All right. My blessings. Okay, (laughs) to you too. Peace, Talib. All right, if you are just tuning in, this is Prison Focus Radio, and I am your host, Nube Brown. I was just in conversation with Charles Talib Brooks, talking about his educational coloring book and the inspiration for it. Now stay with me as I finish the second part of Dirty Politics, History of Solitary Confinement by Lewis Powell Jr., which you can find at prisons.org, issue number 61. 
I would take the racist incidents by prison guards and use it as propaganda fodder for the public broadcasting radio station of KPFA 94.1 FM in Berkeley, California. Matt Schwartz would create a radio program for Sunday night at 10 o'clock called Prison Poetry, State of Emergency, for black prisoners under solitary confinement to report incidents. It was the state of emergency. Prison poetry, state of emergency, would become so popular with a large listening audience of middle-class folks that the security squad of the CDCR would deem it to be a threat to prison security. The security squad would place a confidential report in my central file. They accused me and Max Schwartz of using the radio air for incendiary speech. They filed a complaint with the Federal Communication Commission about KPFA allowing incendiary speech over the airwaves. They consider us blacks reporting on racist incidents inside the solitary confinement units throughout the Department of Correction as incendiary speech. During a live airing of State of Emergency in late 1980, the radio station KPFA came under heavy attack from several individuals firing automatic weapons. Max Schwartz and others inside the radio station came close to being killed. Max Schwartz would receive a death threat hours later. He was told to leave the United States. The FCC would force KPFA to end the prison poetry state of emergency. It went off the air. And Max Schwartz left the United States for good. He went to Paris, France to live. I would be taken to an isolation cell on San Quentin death row. I was placed under incommunicado from both the inside the prison world and outside society. The isolation was only temporary. Intermission. In December 1984, I would parole from the San Quentin Solitary Confinement Unit of North Block to the streets of South Central Los Angeles gang-infested neighborhoods. My freedom would be short-lived. I would be forced to take the life of a combative drug-alcohol influencer intruder inside of my family home. A black municipal court judge oversaw the preliminary hearing trial. This particular judge was under political pressure to bound me over to Superior Court for the first-degree murder. Instead, the black judge stated me to stand trial for voluntary manslaughter. The following quote is what this judge said on record. Quote, All right, well, as I see it, you have a guy that drinks a half gallon of gin within six hours, goes over to a person's house, and perpetuates an argument and is asked to leave. The brother refused adamantly. He was not going anywhere. And based on what we know, the other didn't go either. So... He is confronted with two drunks, and he goes upstairs. No one told either one of those to, to, to go upstairs, but one of them gets up. He is drunk enough to get up. Charge after him. Based on everything that has been introduced by the people, he was charging him at the time he was shot, and he shot a warning shot. He didn't heed, so he shot him. I think that is 192 sub 1, voluntary manslaughter. Unquote. That's right. This black municipal court judge bound me to stand trial for California Penal Code 192 sub 1 voluntary manslaughter. Voluntary manslaughter is defined as the unlawful killing of a human being without malice. Days later, I was about to see firsthand racism played in the judiciary arena. A white superior court judge totally disregarded the black municipal court judge's written order to stand trial for voluntary manslaughter. This white superior court judge, with equal status of the black judge, allowed the prosecutor to change the charge to first-degree premeditated murder to be tried before 12 jurors. 
This was done despite the fact that the white juror, white superior court judge stated on record that he did not believe a jury would find first degree murder. In fact, the all black jury could not reach a guilty verdict. It was a hung jury. At the second trial, I was charged again with first degree murder. The new jury, a mixture of races, returned a verdict of guilty of second degree murder thanks to the prosecutor's underhanded deceitful tactics in manipulating the facts and evidence, including making witnesses unavailable in order to secure this tainted, wrongful conviction. This was a political conviction that should sadden and enrage the justice-conscious voters. A criminal justice system tainted with unfairness, injustice, and racism should never be. I returned back to prison to serve a second term in 1986. I went straight back into solitary confinement. California Supermax Prison of Pelican Bay. California's first supermaximum state-of-the-art prison solitary confinement unit would be one floor underground. Its entire complex was designed to break down the nervous system of human beings. It had military implications. The inside temperature is never at a thermal equilibrium. Heat and cold temperature is used as a weapon by creating optimal environment effects. It does create stress, both, both physically and psychologically. The solitary confinement unit at PBSP does have a secret component to it. If California suffers a pandemic, wherefore tens of thousands of bodies need to be stored in refrigeration, the solitary confinement unit can be transformed immediately. And if tens of thousands of bodies need to be cremated, the unit can be transformed immediately into a huge incinerator. During the wee hours of the morning of December 14, 1989, I would be the very first of my racial kind to enter the supermax of solitary confinement at Pelican Bay State Prison. There were six blacks, six whites, six northern Mexicans, and six southern Mexicans on the bus ride to Pelican Bay on the bus number one. A second bus followed. Of the six blacks, one was a transsexual named Silver. Silver was being sent to Pelican Bay because the court had ordered the CDCR to provide Silver with hormones, hormone shots. In retaliation, prison officials decided to punish Silver for filing a civil action that led to the court decision. I would tell Silver during the bus ride that both of us would be making history. I would be the first black to enter PBSP shoe, and that he, she, would make history as the first queen of PBSP shoe. Upon exiting the bus, Several news reporters from Crescent City, California, were allowed on prison grounds to take pictures of the first arrivals of PBSP shoe. The newspaper reporters would put our pictures on the front page of their newspaper with the heading of the worst of the worst. The CDCR had created thin paper-like jumpsuits used during the bus ride. The jumpsuit was cut off of me. I was left completely naked with leg and chain, leg and waist chains on. I was forced to walk the gauntlet of two rows of all-white male prisoners. There wasn't a single prison guard of color among them. All of the prison guards were holding a baton while screaming all sorts of profanity and degrading racist epithets while being called a nigger, piece of SHIT, mud people, gorilla, and buckwheat as I walked the gauntlet. 
I could imagine how my ancestors felt right off the slave boat in 1619 at Jamestown, Virginia. I chanted through the screaming guards that it is through a historical miscarriage that I find myself a captive in one of America's prison camps. I doubt if they heard a single word I was saying. I was escorted to the C facility, which had 12 separate, separate housing cell units. Each housing cell unit had pods A through F, and each pod had eight double cells. Now, all of the F pods would be designated for those suffering from mental illness. In time, I would come to learn that blacks were the predominant racial class in the F pods. The state of California had started closing up a lot of their mental health facilities throughout the state. They emptied out the criminally insane from the mental hospital and transferred them into the solitary confinement units of PBS Pichu. The F-pods filled up so fast that the E-pods would be used as overflow. Not quite into my second year, someone authorized me to be housed in the F-pods of my unit. Prison officials at the insistence of the prison gang intelligence unit wanted to put me under more pressure. For the next 10 years, I would be housed in a cell in the F-pods for short and long intervals. Being in supermax solitary confinement would test a person to their breaking point. But to be subjected to nerve-wracking noise of insanity is unendurable. My hearing started deteriorating. I began to pray for total deafness over the thought of allowing the constant noise driving me into insanity. I began to take notice that the criminally insane that arrived from one of several mental hospitals weren't noisemakers. It was the majority of young blacks who hadn't even been under solitary confinement six months. The truly insane individuals were not synchronized in erratic behavior with the bandwagon. I come to believe the majority of the young blacks were acting out of frustration with no physical activity whatsoever. Plus, they were, economically in dis they were economically the disadvantaged class of prisoners with absolutely no outside support network of family or friends. For too many weeks, I had misread things. It had been a long time since I'd been in close proximity to undisciplined blacks or blacks who were doing a set term inside the security housing unit. To see adult black men having a tantrum was a culture shock for me. They would act out until the prison guard overseer gave them an extra apple or something. I decided to test the hypothesis that the maddening screaming all night was the result of frustration of having nothing to do but idle time. I would utilize my limited resources to buy every black in the pod a bag of chips or box of crackers. Then I would create sociable dialogue by telling them things about me and about my life experiences of which they found enjoyable. What I was telling them, I first wrote it out each day to one day, turning it into my autobiography. They had never lived a life, they had never in life met an older black with my life experiences that entertained them as well as having them to see me as a cultural hero. I got them to participate in a daily exercise program that exhausted them. I would join them in talking loud during the daytime and at night we, would, we slept noise-free. I was no longer suffering from sleep deprivation. I then showed them how I believed I could get each of them a state loaner television 
I told them the biblical story of Jericho, about how together we will bring down the walls of our Jericho. I had long ago developed, developed myself into a social engineer and a theoretician. Inside of the solitary confinement units of PBSP, all of the similarly situated blacks began to open the social door of sharing food products from canteen and vendor packages with whites and Mexicans. It led them to show blacks that they could be just as or more generous in giving. They could easily afford to. Their trust accounts were in the, in the thousands. Nevertheless, we succeeded in turning every pod in PBSP into a communal living environment, of which would lead to nonviolence discourse over the years. Prison officials had placed me in the floods in order to drive me to my breaking point or into insanity. I would counter what they did, I would counter what they did, and use the F-pods as a way to benefit others to mentally survive. The prison guard overseer would spend his entire working shift under the nerve-wracking noise five days a week. Prison guards who had never been sadistic would become so inside Pelican Bay Solitary Confinement Unit. I would first establish dialogue with the prison guard overseer of the unit. I would offer him a proposition of being able to work noise-free. I suggested that he go to the property room and obtain state loaner televisions and give a television to those in F-Pod without an appliance under the condition of conducting themselves as model prisoners. It worked. And a few days later, the unit overseer was on the telephone telling other unit overseers that Powell would, could control the crimi criminally insane. The thing was, they weren't criminally insane. I would eventually be able to choose which F-Unit pod I would go to, and the different overseers wouldn't tell each other that all they have to do is give the disruptive individuals a television on the condition that they behave themselves. By the time D facility with 10 units opens up, I would become known as a nomad that moves about once a year or every few months. Every cell in solitary confinement had two bunks. You could only celly up with your racial kind. There were some exceptions, of course. I had a Samoan celly for nearly a year. He would parole. I would have more cellulite than any other prisoner. Sorry. I would have more cellies than any other prisoner in Pelican Bay history as a security housing unit. My strategy was to celly with particular compatible individuals for only one year. A lot of prisoners would remain cellied together for several or five or past 10 years together. A lot of elderly prisoners who grew old under solitary confinement would drop dead from heart attacks, chronic illness, or simply loneliness. I had a celly in his 70s who was experiencing chest pains. By the time he made it to the medical clinic, he dropped dead. He was the first of two elderly blacks who died from heart attacks. Several, several other Mexicans dropped dead, and at least a few whites dropped dead from heart attacks. By 1995, the whites and Mexicans had a little over 10 years straight of solitary confinement, whereas the blacks, on average, had been under solitary confinement several years prior to the turning of 1980. Hundreds of prisoners under solitary confinement would debrief for relief. I consider every one of them as victims of mental torture. The white prisoners under solitary confinement began to act dangerously under the pressure of killing, under the pressure by killing their celly. So many died of strangulation at the hands of their racial brother. At least three Mexicans killed their cellies. No blacks in PBSB died at the hand of their cellies. However, 
blacks had more cell fights with each other than any other racial class. Okay, I had to take a break there. Here we go. The CDC's small hour was criminally driving prisoners under solitary confinement insane as they cooked the books to gain more taxpayers' money in the name of security. There were numerous key whites and Mexicans in the 126 pods in two facilities. We blacks needed the opportunity to occur, whereas key whites and Mexicans are situated in the same pods as key blacks. It was the only way to coordinate a united front. It would take nearly two decades for the pieces to fall into alignment. And before that occurred, we needed to be able to communicate with those of one's racial kind that were significant to the cause. But each of the races had a voting process that was democratically time-consuming. It would take too many years to obtain a yes or no vote for any type of collective protest. See, the solitary confinement indeterminate class was under semi-incommunicado with each other. It took a lot of creativity to establish solid lines of communication. But once the guards discover a particular line, the line they would shut it down. By late 2010, blacks offered a way to obtain one's racial brother vote through democratic centralism. Each race would have a number one representative who decided yay or no on engaging in mutual protest. In the short corridor, corridor of PBSP shoe were the indeterminate class, the very best of California prisoners. The short corridor was units D1, D2, D3, and D4, holding close to 175 prisoners of significance. In D1 pod EF, the alignment lined up. It would take six months to do the impossible, spreading the word to all of California prisons and county jails about a massive hunger strike and the demands. Blacks under indeterminate solitary confinement had developed a field of expertise in political science. They knew the art of propaganda and all the news outlets to reach it, to reach at. By the time they finished, people in Europe knew about the upcoming hunger strike. The first hunger strike made California history. The second hunger strike made United States history. And the third hunger strike was heard around the world. Prison officials did everything in their power to break the backbones of the short corridor collective. It was to no avail. By 2014, thousands of prisoners under solitary confinement throughout the state of California were being released. During the course of the hunger strike, we encast it with a historical class action civil suit. Today, the CDC small r is still retaliating against the representative team that provided leadership and guidance to the protest. At first, they attempted to have the state attorney general office prosecute 16 members of the representative team composed of all the racial classes. When the attorney general refused to waste the taxpayer money on a prosecution they could not win, they decided to take their revenge through the parole board, who has denied every one of the representatives who appeared before them for parole. I am among the representatives. All right, my people, that is our show. Call the governor, 916-445-2841. Demand that he release our elders. Do your job, Governor Newsom. You have blood on your hands. All right, have a beautiful week and get ready for Work Week with Steve Seltzer.